0: What a beautiful anthem. We have uh, several supporting actors this morning, including those two children who sang. Didn't they do a wonderful job? They were just marvelous. I'm also kind of impressed with the donkey, Fiona. I'm, uh, I'm glad that the only casualty was we got the uh, responsive call to worship in the wrong place in the worship service, but... Uh, I realize it's a bit tricky uh, in an election year bringing a donkey into the sanctuary, so I want you to know it's a, it has to do with Palm Sunday. Our text of Scripture is a familiar one. It comes to us from the Gospel of Luke this morning, the 19th chapter. I invite you to listen now for God's Word. After Jesus said this, he went ahead going up to Jerusalem. And when he'd come near Bethphage and Bethany at the place called the Mount of Olives, he sent two of the disciples saying, Go into the village ahead of you, and as you enter it, you will find tied there a colt that has never been ridden. Untie it and bring it here. And if anyone asks you why are you untying it, just say this, The Lord needs it. So those who were sent departed and found it as he had told them. And as they were untying the colt, its owners asked them, Why are you untying the colt? And they said, The Lord needs it. And then they brought it to Jesus, and after throwing their cloaks on the colt, they set Jesus on it. And as he rode along, people kept spreading their cloaks in the road. And as he was now approaching the path down from the Mount of Olives, the whole multitude of the disciples began to praise God joyfully with a loud voice for all the deeds of power that they had seen. And they were saying, Blessed is the King who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest heaven. Well, some of the Pharisees in the crowd said to him, Teacher, order your disciples to stop. And he answered, I tell you, If these were silent, the stones would shout out. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Will you join me in prayer? And so, gracious God, we have come at the beginning of this Holy Week to remember. And not just to remember, but to relive. To relive that week in which all of life was transformed. Speak to us now as only a living God can. For we pray in Christ's name. Amen. It was on a night before a big parade. A friend of mine was walking across Colorado Boulevard he noticed a camera crew on the other side of the street from the evening news and they were interviewing people on the street about the Tournament of Roses parade that was going to occur the next morning. The barricades were in place and people were beginning to settle in for that long cold night on the street before the parade and already there were limited places where you could cross Colorado Boulevard so my friend could see that soon at the crossing he was going to intersect with this crew from the local news so he asked them do you have the segment you're looking for not really came the reply anybody who's in that business knows that you can shoot tons of footage and never get quite what you're looking for so They asked him if he would be willing to go on camera, and he agreed. So they asked him about the parade, and he said, well, the Rose Parade is Pasadena's version of the Mardi Gras. Boom. That's exactly the note they were looking for, and it was on the airwaves within ten minutes on the evening news. Now this Palm Sunday, I can't help but wonder what that headline might have looked like on that day long ago when Jesus entered Jerusalem in a makeshift parade. Maybe the headline would have read, Jerusalem, parade or parody. Or subversive challenger enters the golden gates in carefully planned event. Or perhaps Polls indicate growing popularity of underdog entering the halls of power. Now, we know there's no recorded news clips or headlines from that original event, but maybe if people on the street had been interviewed, they might have said, this is Jerusalem's version of a victory parade. Or perhaps, the Messiah arrives in plain sight, Right under the nose of the emperor. Suffice it to say, there was no small amount of political intrigue in what took place that day. Maybe you remember the movie from a year ago that was up for Academy Awards entitled Selma. It was released just months before the 50th anniversary of the Voting Rights March from Selma to Montgomery. And the movie told the story of Martin Luther King, Jr. and the Southern Christian Leadership Conference who carefully staged a confrontation between black Selma residents and the registers' office where they were prevented from registering to vote. The Confrontation occurred in front of the courthouse and tensions increased. And as the march was about to begin... State troopers put on their gas masks and ordered the crowd to disperse. There they were on horseback with clubs and tear gas and other weapons. The attack eventually was shown on national television and it began to turn the nation's disinterested apathy into a galvanized force for change. And the subtitle of that movie, Selma, was One Dream Can Change the World. Now you see, I think Jesus riding into Jerusalem was more like the march to Montgomery than it was the Rose Parade on Colorado Boulevard. It was the dream of a changed world that Jesus had been talking about and demonstrating to anyone that would listen. And it was about to take on greater significance in the halls of power. It was going to galvanize into something that would forever change the world as we know it. But it began as a sort of disappointment. It began as a disillusionment, to say the least. Jesus arrives in Jerusalem in a very carefully planned event at the beginning of the festival of Passover and now He uncharacteristically draws attention to Himself. Gone is the secrecy of His Lordship. All those ambiguous statements He made about Himself, now it's the fullness of time. No longer is He telling those who He has healed that they shouldn't talk about it. Not only does he welcome the adulation, he planned for it. Even the stones along the road are about to shout out, this is one moment in the sun before the darkness falls. And he is riding into the eye of a storm, a cosmic El Nino storm. It's a triumphant and it's a joyous note, but it belies the danger and the threat that's inherent in the situation. He's received as a king as he enters Jerusalem. And yet this king faces great danger. This king is about to be conquered. This king comes not in the strength with a mighty army, but comes alone into the lion's den. And only a very few realize what's happening. Just a month ago, a number of us on our Holy Land trip visited Jerusalem. We stood on the Mount of Olives. We looked across the Kidron Valley to the walls of the old city of Jerusalem. We saw the gate where Jesus rode into the city that's known as the Golden Gate or the Mercy Gate. It's on the east side of the Temple Mount. Today, you can't enter that gate. It's all walled up. The Ottoman Sultan, Suleiman the Magnificent, sealed up the Golden Gate in 1541. Now, it may have been for purely defensive reasons, to defend Jerusalem, but in the Jewish tradition, this is the very gate where the Messiah is going to come and enter the city from the Mount of Olives, and it suggests at least that Suleiman the Great, Suleiman the Magnificent, sealed the Golden Gate to prevent the Messiah from ever entering And then the the Ottomans built a cemetery right in front of the gate in the belief that the precursor to the Messiah, Elijah, would not be able to pass through the Golden Gate and thus the Messiah would never come. But you see, what we celebrate today is that the Messiah has already come. The Messiah has already entered through the Golden Gate. It's just that this Messiah arrived not in the least bit as expected. Scholars are confused by the irony in this story. Some see great significance in the fact that Jesus rode a donkey rather than a horse. I'm glad, actually, Fiona was a donkey and not a horse, but... Any self-respecting, triumphant king would come in on a grand horse. This is a different kind of ruler, an unexpected Messiah, a disappointing one, perhaps. Palm Sunday is no doubt the fulfillment of the prophecy of Zechariah, where he writes, Rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion! Shout aloud, O daughter Jerusalem! Lo, your king comes to you! triumphant and victorious is he humble and riding on a donkey on a colt the foal of a donkey disappointment we all know what that's like the expectation of a messiah that would turn around the fortunes of God's people the yoke of oppression of Rome would be broken once again the people would be independent would be free It didn't happen, at least not as they expected. What kind of emperor is this? What kind of lord allows himself to be arrested and doesn't take up arms against those who would kill him? What kind of savior turns the other cheek and carries his own cross to the most humiliating of deaths Certainly this was not what was expected. This wasn't the emperor at all. Was this merely another wannabe who promised more than he could deliver? Did he? Did he promise more than he could deliver? Well, generations of believers ever since have discovered otherwise. On the surface, maybe a disappointment. But on a deeper level, one discovers how truly profound this transformation really is. You and I may be looking for some reversal of our own fortunes, and we too may be a little disappointed that God hasn't reversed our fortunes yet. We may have expected a Lord that would make our success a little easier or save our relationships or remove some obstacle that's in our way. We may have hoped for some kind of a healing of a loved one and despite our prayers and despite our efforts, we suffered the loss of someone we loved and we still grieve. Sometimes things don't work out like we want. Sometimes we find ourselves standing in the crowd kind of hoping that Jesus is the one. The one who can change it all. The one who can help transform the reality we're in to the reality we want. And sometimes we become disillusioned when we don't experience the happy ending we're looking for. but like those disciples that first Holy Week just when we think all is lost we learn something even more profound is taking place thanks be to God life often turns out differently than we think it should in Palm Sunday led to a kangaroo court and to a premature death for one who was a rising political star. Yet, that was not the end of the story. And the story is not over yet. Disappointments come and they become a window into which we begin to understand life differently. And there's a deeper mystery to it all. Those who were closest to Jesus began to finally understand that this was not the expected leader. This was not going to be another political victory in a long succession of political and historical events that results in the rise to power only to fall again into the hands of another power, a greater power sometime later. When you visit the Holy Land, as we did recently, you see civilizations built upon civilizations. This was going to be something completely different. Jesus was not like Moses or not like Judas Maccabeus. Jesus was turning the world upside down. Not interested in land, interested in life. It was not political freedom, that was at issue, it was freedom within the human soul. That place where if we're imprisoned, we're imprisoned by our own choosing. This was not going to be another long succession of political efforts. This was a transformation to capture the hearts and the imagination of all who believe. It was an invitation to a whole new way of living. And for those who discover this new dimension and who continue to discover it, what took place in those days has everything to do with how we live in these days. Because wherever Jesus reigns, those who follow Him live out their faith in their economic life and in their political life and in their civic life and in their relationships and in their families and it goes beyond national interests. It transcends all our preconceived conceived ideas and categories about how to understand life. It's not the power of the sword anymore, it's the power of love. That's what matters most. Our very concepts of power and strength and freedom are all understood differently because of what happened in the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus. We now find life by losing life. We discover love by becoming loving ourselves. We see in each other person, a child of the same God. We no longer find ourselves waiting for others to reach out to us. We become part of the outreach of God's love to a world that's in pain. We face adversity. We don't wish it was easier in our lives. We wish we were better. Rather than asking for fewer problems we pray for more skill and more determination and more courage to face the challenges before us. And from mere spectators we move to participants in this long march through history of those who believe. In the face of what was before him. Jesus begins with a march into Jerusalem as if to say, The very worst of what is humanly possible cannot and will not stop the almighty grace of God. Life is good, life is a gift even when we've made a mess of things or when we no longer can control the outcome of it our lives are not simply at the mercy of powers beyond our control there is a deeper mystery loose in the world and in our lives and it has the power to secure our lives and set our world back on its axis Thanks be to God, who in Jesus Christ still rides into our lives in the most surprising ways. So we celebrate even in adversity because the grace of Almighty God has arrived. Thanks be to God. Amen.